Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. It's probably not something you think about every day, but the stuff we buy has often traveled a long way to get to us. A few years ago, the writer Paul Greenberg, an expert on seafood, told me an amazing story about, of all things, squid and its journey. You can be sitting in Santa Barbara having some nice fried calamari next to the boat that caught it. But meanwhile, in between it coming from the boat to your plate, it's made a bypass over to Qingdao and come back. The reason that squid takes such an incredibly long trip to get to those lovely seafood restaurants in California isn't actually too surprising. Labor is cheaper in China, so the squid gets frozen, sent off to the other side of the world to get clean, then it's refrozen and shipped back here. Of course, when the squid returns to America on the high seas, it's got lots of company. Toys, electronics, party supplies, T-shirts, pretty much anything you can imagine. And that includes pharmaceuticals. When we take a pill, it's a lot more complicated than putting on a T-shirt. Rosemary Gibson is a longtime healthcare writer who argues that the last few decades have seen one country, China, become the pharmacy to the world, which may have some real upsides, but it also has some issues. Back in 1988, we had penicillin and other antibiotic big plants all around the country and an emergency preparedness plan in case something happened to them. Actually, a guide on how to repair them if they were damaged. We don't have that anymore. We've just let them go as because they're commodities now. Gibson says that China lobbied American pharmaceutical companies hard to get these plants. The government often subsidized them, and American executives, as well as executives around the world, made strategic cost-saving decisions, which has left us, in Gibson's view at least, in a precarious position. Take, for example, the infamous anthrax attacks of 2001, right after 9-11, when anthrax was sent by mail to politicians and to people in the media. When the U.S. government needed to buy 20 million doses of doxycycline, a recommended uh, treatment, it turned to a very uh, reputable European company. But I spoke to the CEO, and he said he had to get the starting material from a plant in China. So when we have a big public health event and a national security event, uh, this is where we turn to and where we rely on to get our medicine. Gibson is a co-author of the book China Rx, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China for Medicine. And she says, no matter what the country is, having so much of our supply chain concentrated in one place, that's not a great idea. And we're not just talking the antidote for anthrax here. We're talking about birth control pills and vitamin C tablets and almost anything else you can possibly imagine. And we're also not just talking about America's medicines being made in China. We're talking about a huge chunk of the world's medicines. If China shut the door on exports for whatever reason, pharmacy shelves in the United States would be bare within months. That's how dependent we are. So how did this happen? Rosemary Gibson says part of the reasons that American companies were making independent decisions about where to put new manufacturing plants. It was all kind of piecemeal. China took the opposite approach. They had a plan. The government has an industrial policy that said, we're going to do this. We're going to be making these products that are essential for medicines around the world. And so they invested billions and billions of dollars. Let's take the penicillin example. The government invested billions of dollars in these huge uh, infrastructure capability to make these giant penicillin fermentation plants that are three stories high. And with that government subsidy, 
it's really hard for private companies in other countries, the U.S. and elsewhere, to begin to compete with that. Well, I was just going to say, so this was a government plan from China, like medicine, it's going to be a real focus of uh, our manufacturing sector. That's right. And there's a Made in China 2025 initiative that says we're going to become the pharmacy to the world. And as plants shut down in Europe that made different medicines, as they shut down in India, as they shut down in Canada, as they shut down in the U.S., did anybody who ran pharmacies or who worked for maybe the Food and Drug Administration or anything say, ah, gee, maybe this isn't the best idea? There are people that have been aware of this, FDA and elsewhere, But I think people are so busy doing their jobs that we didn't step back and take a look at this big picture. Hmm. One of the fascinating things we found was after the U.S. opened up free trade with China in 2000, that's when we began to see the cascade of our last penicillin plant closing, the last vitamin C plant shutting down. That's when we saw the last aspirin manufacturer closing. So who knew that our trade policy has such a big impact on where our medicines come from. So let's go back for a minute uh, into history. Um, There was a time when uh, drugs were not that accessible to people. They were very expensive. This was sort of before generics came on the scene. Um, But then, you know, we had a situation where once generics were possible, things went off patent and a whole bunch of companies could compete to make a cheaper version of a drug. Um, You know, that was good for patients in some way because drugs were more affordable. Maybe, much like how lots of other things that we buy or meet in China, you know, maybe it's a good thing overall that drugs are made in a place where, you know, the cost of labor is a little bit cheaper, which then makes the drug a little bit cheaper. Oh, sure. It's very a, a wonderful thing that we've done to have generic drugs be made available to the public. It's helped people be able to continue to take their medicine in a way that's affordable, at least most of the time. But one of the challenges that we've figured out is there's a really high price that we've been paying for cheap drugs. Hmm. So one of the reasons our generic drugs have been so cheap is because there has not been enforcement of pollution laws in China. Another good example I'll give you, the very dedicated FDA inspectors were in a plant in China, and they it was a hot summer day, very humid, and the folks in the plant opened the window to cool it off. But it turns out this was a medicine that was supposed to be made in a temperature-controlled environment. And the company did not invest and pay for the cost of a temperature and humidity control system. And so that can degrade the quality of the product. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with Rosemary Gibson, a co-author of the book China Rx, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China for Medicine. I should say that you know, we've been talking a lot about prescription drugs and how, you know, sort of the global supply chain may be more problematic than we think. Um, You make the point, this is not just an issue of prescription drugs. This is also just an issue of walking into the pharmacy and buying over-the-counter stuff, too. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Let's talk about vitamin C. Some people might be taking a pill in the morning uh, after breakfast or 
You might be seeing ascorbic acid, and I'm using those terms interchangeably. You might see ascorbic acid in the ingredients in hamburger buns or a soft drink. And so for many, many years, the United States made ascorbic acid. But then we saw what we call the vitamin C cartel, a handful of companies come in and flood the market, global market, with below market price product. And that drove out all the Western producers, at least most of them. And then the price went up 700%. Hmm. And this was actually a subject of a fascinating court case that's still in play after 10 years. But that case was appealed by the Chinese companies. And interestingly, the government of China said, well, it was a matter of Chinese law that we required our companies to form a cartel to control the volume of exports, how much our companies send to the United States. And the argument is you can't have companies that have to abide by Chinese law and U.S. law at the same time because they conflict. Hmm. And the Court of Appeals in New York agreed with that and said in the interest of international comity, we are going to reverse the lower court judgment. Hmm. Think of the implications of that. That effectively legitimizes cartel-type behavior for everything that we get uh, from that country. That means other governments can control the volume of what they send to us. It could happen to our medicines, and they can control the price. This is a really important point. When we lose control over the supply of our medicines, we lose control over the price that we pay. Have you heard any lawmakers, any folks in government, officials, um, say, you know, this is a really important issue to us. We're going to try to do something about it. You know, we don't have enough control sort of over both maybe the safety and quality of the medicine we're getting, but then also if there was a pandemic or if there was a national security issue or, I mean, if we were in a dispute with China, for example, which is not inconceivable, it could happen, um, that, gee, there should be some kind of like plan B here. There's a small group of people in the public health and FDA community who are aware of this. But most people in important policymaking positions are unaware. And we can't fix the problem that we don't know about. If somebody in the government, the head of the FDA, called you in tomorrow and they said, you know, Rosemary, we've read your book and we, we see a real problem here, what would you suggest? And they're asking you, like, what would your suggestion be in terms of how we move forward in a positive way to try to ensure um, the safety and quality of medicines in the U.S.? I suggest that we begin to think about our medicines differently than the cheapest commodity that we can get on the global market, especially medicines like antibiotics and chemotherapies. We need to think of them as a strategic asset, like we do oil and other energy supplies. Hmm. If we ran out of oil and natural gas, the country would come to a halt. And the same is true with our medicines. So let's, first of all, think differently about them. Right. Our medicines are made by private companies, but they serve a, a public purpose. And so we need to bring that public purpose into our thinking about how we should ensure we have an uninterrupted supply of quality medicines. 
now and for generations to come. Rosemary Gibson is a longtime healthcare writer. She's a co-author of the book China Rx, exposing the risks of America's dependence on China for medicine. Rosemary, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. On our website, we'll have more about prescription drugs, particularly their costs, and how, though much of the motivation behind moving production to China in the first place was to control costs, that hasn't exactly worked out. That's at innovationhub.org. 